day, happy listener. This is another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name's Alon. And my name's Ara. And, uh, and we talk about games here. So, so let's get right into that by not talking about games. I'm going to tell you what I've been doing this week. You mean what non-game-related things you've been doing this week? Well, it's game-related, but it's not playing games. So you know how I like to build things? Yes. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I was I like, did. I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs> um, so I made what I thought was a pretty awesome joystick back in the day a couple of years ago. I actually made a pair of them. And I'm, I'm also fairly certain that I've talked about it on the show before. And uh, I decided, I'm not sure why. I think I think someone on Joystick was talking like making a whole series of blog posts about making a joystick. And I was like, I could do that. And you know why I'm going to do it? Because you've been making joysticks constantly for the past 12 years. No, because I have a friend who I made fairly recently who kind of owns a pretty serious metal fabrication place, uh, sheet metal fab shop. And so when I found this out and I had this thought of the blog in the back of my mind, um, I was like, hey, do you think if I gave you a plan, you could turn this this design uh, into a metal, you know, a sheet of metal with the buttons and all that stuff cut out, like from just one thick piece of aluminum uh, or perhaps some other type of metal. But, Heavy uh, metals. Aluminum is what I'm going for. Rare earth magnets. Anyway, he's like, yeah, no problem. We've got some laser thing. It'll just cut right through it. Just, you know, all we need to do is make the CAD file out of right out of it, right? You know, you just give me the, the drawing or something with the measurements and I'll put it in CAD and boom. So like, you're, so you're excited later. to make a new joystick because this one's going to be made out of pure metal. Yes. And I will be disappointed if I also don't get the luxury of all metal buttons. <clears throat> that's been discussed <laughs> um not with the guy who can actually make this stuff i'm pretty certain that i'm not going to be able to make metal buttons out of it okay well i'm going to be a little sad still yeah but i mean obviously the rest of it being metal is exciting because he works with with sheet metal stuff right so you can do bending and twisting all sorts of stuff out of sheets but in order to make a button, I'm pretty sure you'd have to do like Apple does with their MacBooks. You know, you like just take a chunk of aluminum and you, you laser out the shape you want. Yeah. Uh, like he doesn't have lathes and things like that. So it, w- it would be difficult. Is it, is it too much for me to confess right now that I've had fantasies about um, interfacing with all metal controllers in my video game life? Uh, I mean, it's not crazy, although I, I had not really seen a huge benefit to it although i'm fantasizing right now about what i Indeed, i will have soon but as you should but uh i mean all metal also has its drawbacks like i'm afraid of of it being all metal creating a problem in terms of the circuitry but i'm fairly certain because i have plastic buttons and plastic components in yeah. between that it won't actually disrupt anything yeah there's just you know it's hard for me to really put forth a good argument why it would be better i just think that it's just it's just metal, man. I, I had a friend in college. Um, so to give you an idea of the period of time, I, I was in college right around the turn of the millennium. Um, basically, I think like just soon after you. Like we, we overlapped in our college years a little yeah, bit, right? So. We were pretty close. So during that time, the Dreamcast was front and center. And someone I knew at college like had a dad or something who worked with metal. And he was talking about getting a Dreamcast made out of chrome. Um Mm-hmm. which would have been awesome, right? Just the shell of the Dreamcast itself, not the controller. Yeah, see, it's, so it's we, less we exciting for me, though, if you don't actually use it. You know, if it's just... 
a case for something, no, I'm not yeah. quite as excited. Actually, speaking of that, let, let me tell you, there's a... Uh, when you go to these websites like like focusattack dot com where I got my stuff, or another one that we looked at was Lizard Lick, um, they you know both sell parts. They're basically dedicated to fighting game people who want to modify joysticks. Um, <clears throat> they each have this thing. First of all, both of these places are notorious to me now for listing a bunch of stuff that they don't have available, and I think it's because they order these things from China with a long term lead time in, in terms of delivery. And so they're just like, all right, pre-order now, and we will get you your joystick whenever it arrives. <laughs> and uh, but but there's this one part that they have, like I guess some guy in the community just started making uh, bat tops for these sticks because usually people use the round, the the ball tops, right. very much like Mad Cats, right? It's the Sanwa, the Samitsu parts, and I prefer American style, the HAP controllers that are the bat tops, which is what. You know, most of the people listening to this show would be used to if they ever spent time in in a real arcade. It's like instead of a ball, it's this oblong. Yeah, shape. It it's does it doesn't feel as stick. as obtrusive in the hand, right? Because it's a smooth shape rather than something with sharp yeah. turns, right? The shaft. Well, the, ball the ball is pretty smooth. I know, but you know, there's the the thin shaft and then the wide ball, and yeah, everyone's everyone's got their own preferences. Exactly. So some people like that. I prefer the bat top, but. Uh, Hap controls buttons like we grew up with in America. The ones that are concave um, are not as exact and are therefore looked down upon. And, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm not going to use Hap stuff this time. I'm going to go with the Japanese style, but they do have a bat top. So that's cool. But this one guy in the community makes them out of aluminum. And colored aluminum is an option as well. And if you've learned anything by listening to the past few minutes, metal always grants more respect. Exactly. So I totally want one of these. It's 15 bucks. It's more than a standard bat top, but who cares? It's 15 bucks for a freaking metal It's always joystick. worth it to upgrade to metal. And so they have pictures of them. They have discussions. That are, Great. You should totally buy this thing. One of them has the pictures and stuff, but then it's just like out of stock, out of stock, out of stock, out of stock for every different color. And then Focus Attack makes... They have a different approach. They have you buy the joystick and they say, and when you, like the joystick comes without a top. No, you have to decide on the ball or the bat top you want. You can click here, 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 or here to look at the different things that we have. And one of them is a link to the Toggle Me, which is the brand, uh, Toggle Me aluminum bat tops. And you click that link and it goes to a dead page. That's how they advertise this product on their page. And I'm not trying to be critical of Focus Attack. It's like, it's just some dude running it. And so I appreciate the fact that he goes through this effort and makes a little bit of money while while presenting me with a service of importing all this crap from China. So I don't have to, but, uh, but it's just a kick in the junk when you want this aluminum bat top and you cannot get it. It's very seductive. I can understand. Yeah. I want to put out another, I was telling you about this before the show too. Just another criticism. I guess I've learned that these two sites and presumably other sites that sell similar products um, are very much geared towards people who are modifying the official Mad Cats tournament sticks. And at this point, there are so many damn tournament sticks from Mad Cats, right? There's the Street Fighter 4 and some wrestling game, and then there's the Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition, and now we got Street Fighter Cross Tekken. That just came out, and they're also producing ones for Soul Calibur. There's a million of them that are all basically the same. Um, maybe the button layout's a little bit different, but um, by that I mean like A and X or whatever in different places. But the the actual button shaping, I believe, is the same across all of them. Although that might not be true of like the Soul Calibur ones. Doesn't matter. Point is, I'm watching all these videos about you know using the things to build your own joystick, and they they use 
way more wires than are necessary. And I opened up my Mad Cat stick the other day to, to make an adjustment to it. And I noticed they also use way more wires than necessary. And that's why everyone is following suit. And it just bothers me. So what, what are these extra wires? I mean, there's not like grounding or something or so for, you really have no function? I mean, I guess briefly, I should ex- I guess I should explain to the listeners, people who probably aren't familiar. I'm with, only a little interested. I'm all right. not super interested. So very simply put, anytime you have a button, I'm sure you, you all can, can grasp that you need two wires, right? You have a button. You've got the one that comes in and the one that goes out, and they both go somewhere. Right. And when you press the button, you are linking these two wires. That's what a button does. Sure. Right. Your light switch in your wall does the same thing. It's got two wires coming into it. It can have more in your own house, but that's unimportant. It has two important wires that go in. You flip the switch, they're on. You flip the switch the other direction, they're off. A button is, is that same idea. However, in a joystick, when you have many, many buttons... Um, one side of these buttons all go to the same point. They all go to the ground connection on your controller or on your, your printed circuit board if you are buying one that's not previously used in a controller because some people take apart an existing controller to build one, right? Or you can just buy the PCB. Anyway, so they all have these two wires coming from them if you're using a single button. But when you're using a whole set, you can just connect all of them. You can just connect. So I've got like 11 buttons. The I can ground. connect. You connect yeah. all the ground together. I just link one wire from button A, B, C, D, E. All of them sure. right, are all connected. Because it's ground. You don't have to have a separate one Exactly. They all do the same thing. So this is the excess you're talking so, about. So exactly. What you need is the number of wires you need are the number of buttons plus one for the ground. So you're saying that Mad Cats's products use this excessive grounding wireage. Yeah, they use a ground wire for every single button. And I can understand why. In the case of Mad Cats, they have a special connection where all the wires go to this one connection, and then you have this one like strip, which uh, from that strip, they then have other wires that go to the, the logic board and stuff. And so they have a clean design. But because other people who are modifying these sticks don't understand what's going on and that they use this strip in the middle, right, they're just... They might be building their own stick and using the same design of two wires on every one. And there's this YouTube video of a guy that goes on for 25 minutes showing how he does it. And he's like, you don't really have to, but we're going to do it like this. And I was like, yeah, you don't have to. So don't. He's got, he's got something ridiculous like uh, 22 wires when all he needs are 12. And then he literally, he sh- I should have shown this to you beforehand. He shoves it into this big box that he built because he built the controller, right? And this, there's so much wiring that it's, it's like stuffing five pounds of spaghetti into your little Tupperware thing, right? He's just shoving it all in there with no regard for cleanliness or elegance or anything. And uh, I've been listening to the the whole Steve Jobs biography thing in the car. like Oh, every- the whole thing about the back of the fence and him well, Yeah, there's that. And- just, in general, you you realize that Apple and, and because of Steve have this appreciation for elegance. And, and Steve in particular is all about using the fewest parts to accomplish one goal. Right. And that's, you know, a lot of people feel that way people who are programmers or designers or whatever and i certainly feel that way sure. uh, at least to a certain extent sometimes use i feel like using the most parts to accomplish a certain goal well that's the rube Gold- goldberg approach <laughs> but uh it's just so messy like you've got this confined space with wiring um because you've got so much of it right which is just par for the course so in that respect like it's important to remove them when you can, and they don't. And other people are doing this crazy jungle wiring system that I, I don't know. Most See, of the listeners probably couldn't give a crap about this stuff. I, I find myself a little conflicted, though, because um, on the one hand, extreme over-engineering is highly appealing to me. But on the other hand, this does truly seem like an 
the yeah. place of excess. Well, you like over-engineering in terms of sturdiness and power, but that's not necessarily... <laughs> you, aren't, you aren't one to waste effort, right? You just want it to be uh, dependable. You're such a kind person. Yeah. Anyway, with, with that comment, uh, we will go to break. We will come back. We've got emails for you. We've got other stuff to discuss. It's going to be grand, so stay tuned. We'll be right Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. And did you know that we are sponsored by the University of Advancing Technology, whose website is the UAT.edu? It's actually not the. It's just UAT.edu. But go check that out. We'd appreciate it. And um, we got some letters this week. We did. Yeah, we, we, we got, got a couple interesting. We got several. Ones. In fact, we've been getting a higher volume of mail this than is, usual. So that's I, nice. I really, really enjoy hearing from our listeners. Whether it would be good comments or perhaps negative comments, um, always nice to interact with the listeners of the program. Is that your, your attempt to lead into the, the guy who's pissed off? Even the guy who's pissed off, I somehow take some kind of sick pleasure in reading this, and I'm not sure why. But maybe, um, why don't you tell uh, everybody what... Well, uh, I'll start by pointing out I was very deliberate in saying the guy, because I'm sure he's the only guy uh, or gal, the only single person who has any sort of negative criticism uh, with regard to the Chatterbox video game radio show. It would just, it would blow my mind to find out if there were more. If you are one of those people, though, <laughs> feel free to email us at suckit at chatterboxgameshow.com. Um, <clears throat> so, no, you can find yeah. our email address pretty easily, I yeah. think. It's on the website, chatterboxgameshow.com. So he says, I've been enjoying video game podcasts for years now, including yours. I especially enjoy the in-depth consideration of game mechanics that I don't really hear in other shows. That's a pretty nice thing to say. It is. He opens up very well. Very it's, pleasant. We appreciate that. However, I can't help but feel you two are huge assholes. <laughs> I hope it's just a radio persona and you don't talk about or treat people the way you do in real life. Uh, I assume he means the way you do in real life as you do on the show. If it's just uh, a persona, then troll successful. But if this is how you really conduct yourselves, um, I'm very glad not to have crossed paths with you. Still enjoying the show, despite cringing at the rudeness. Regards. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess you have feelings on this. Well, okay. We both decided we weren't going to dwell too much on this, and, and I continue to not want to dwell too much on it. But the... I just find it amusing that I have no idea what you're talking about, dude, who wrote us, because you never said what it was that was so upsetting to you. 
That's true. I can only assume he's talking about how we were referring to TJ. Yeah. That's that's my guess. Yeah. And TJ was getting me pretty pissed off. He was. I, I still have a very soft spot in my heart for TJ. I like the kid. I've got... I have no ill will towards him. In fact, I, I've talked to him several times. I like times. him too, but um, you know, apparently he was like, I'd rather just flip the whole table up and leave with my toys instead of asking, being asked to change anything. So. Listen, people have different styles, right? He didn't actually flip a table over. Indeed, indeed, yeah. That's all metaphorical. The metaphorical table, of course. Yes. Um, he's a good kid. He's a good kid. And he just, you know, he doesn't want to do the show anymore. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I assume that's what he's talking about. Now, I have been a dick. On many an occasion on this show. So I'm not terribly surprised. And that I want to say is persona. But I think the people who know me would probably agree that it's not totally just persona. It is sort of an outlet for me to be myself, though. Because as you'll learn, dear listener, um, you may have something that you do in life that people don't like. And you have to control it. And I am in a, a constant controlling of my personality so that I don't be a dick or at all times of the day. Or there's some things, conversely, where you shouldn't even bother wondering whether it's polite or not and just do it anyway because half the people are going to think that it's something that's appropriate and you should do and you shouldn't apologize for and the other half are going to think the exact opposite like uh, this gentleman who wrote us. That, that is a great way of looking at it, yeah. You know, you're going to piss people off and you're going to make people happy, so just go for it. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I do. Totally. That's, that's a great philosophy to have. Anyway, moving along um, to more interesting letters. Our friend Joe wrote us. We hear from him a lot. And yeah, he's a pretty frequent contributor to the letters section of the program. Um, and uh, cons- <laughs> speaking of TJ, he was also writing something a little bit about what TJ was talking about. Um, remember when we were discussing the um, this concept of being able to skip portions of video games. Yes. And, and TJ was like, yeah, yeah, I want that. Why wouldn't you want that? Who wouldn't want to skip over something they didn't like at that precise second, right? Eh, it's, it's a hard thing to argue against, right? At least y- you remember that value. movie? I think it was Adam Sandler, uh, probably called Remote Control or something, where he had a, con- a no. remote control he could speed up life. I don't remember any Adam Sandler movies, <laughs> and it's completely deliberate. <laughs> All right, well, there's a movie sometime in the last decade where the uh, the main character had this magic remote control that we pretty much all dream of at did some he, point. Did he learn a special lesson about how sometimes you shouldn't fast forward through things? Um, I don't know because I didn't watch it. I have a feeling <laughs> that he did. Did you fast forward through that section yourself? I just, I, I actually skipped. I did a commercial skip over that entire movie. Um but yeah, he just he speeds up through the crappy parts of life. I see. Which and, is analogous to what we're talking about. And hopefully he learns a valuable lesson about how he shouldn't speed them everything up all the time. Perhaps. Anyway, um let's let, let's read what Joe has to say. So Joe writes us, he says, I wanted to say in regard to the debate you and TJ had about being able to skip portions of video games being a good or bad idea. I'm not sure how anyone who plays a lot of games can even consider this a good idea. Isn't the point of playing a game to be challenged in the first place? Furthermore, you've said countless times, you being me, um, the designers of a game are teaching you a skill which you then use to overcome a challenge. If the challenge couldn't be skipped, what message is the designer sending to the gamer? Not a good one, that's for sure. People have grown so lazy and don't want to be challenged anymore. So, 
Um, he brings up a good point, and um, this was basically would be the same kind of response I would give too. So you've you've channeled me correctly, Joe. Um, yeah, there's on the one hand, right? Like I said a couple minutes ago, at face value, there's really it's hard to construct an argument against like, well, why can't I just not do the parts I don't like, right? You're eating dinner, you don't like the green beans, you skip the green beans, you know. There's something on TV that you don't like, and so you skip that part. There's, I mean, maybe you even skip parts of movies you don't like, right? There's certainly an argument to be made for that. But here's the here's the thing, right? The thing that makes games different from all other media is that it's not just the consumptive media, right? It's not something that you just consume. Certainly, there are games that you just consume, right? But there are certain things in games that if you skip over, you lose part of the experience of learning what those things are supposed to teach you because games in their essence are teaching devices. And so if a part of the game is intended to give you the experience of learning how to do something and you want to skip that part because you want to see something else in the game, then you're, you're only depriving yourself of that experience. Now, if you don't want that experience, hey, fine. You know, everyone is entitled to direct their lives however they want to. But at times there's value in doing things that may not be the most appealing to you at a certain moment. And I'm sure you can relate to that too, Alon, right? Is this, is this like the, uh, the family vacation where the kids don't want to go and the mom says, you're going to go and you're going to like it. And then it turns out they liked it and they were happy they went. Well, so you're saying like they should, they should plow through this part they don't like because they're going to get something from it? Certainly, sometimes that happens. Actually, it sounds like you're describing two different things, right? The, the first one where they're like, okay, like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this. But if you plow through it, then you end up liking it. I mean, that's one thing. That happens. I mean, it just does, right? So... If you always decide to skip through things that you don't think you might enjoy at face value, you might actually be missing something deeper there that you would actually enjoy. But the second part of it, um, what was? It was I like a I different only saw one part. Yeah. But okay. Okay. So it sounded like two parts I mean, to me. There's the idea of actually enjoying it, and then there's the idea of learning. I suppose. Yeah. Well, that, that's the second part there, right? Because you know, on a family vacation, you're not doing something for educational purposes, right? And so you can make yourself. You do clearly something. did not go on my family vacation. <laughs> Perhaps not. Um, but there's, you know, there's there's doing something just for its sake of entertainment, right? Just for sheer enjoyment. But then there's doing something also if your if your goal is to learn something, you know. When you go take a class, right, you, you, just, you tell yourself, I want to learn this, right? And you make yourself do things that you don't want to do at that moment because you have a greater goal that you're actually working towards, right? And if, if we all only did things just because we felt like doing them at a certain time, um, that doesn't sound very healthy to me. I think there's a place for doing things where, you know, maybe a certain part of it causes you to struggle, maybe a certain part of it causes you to think, to engage yourself more than you would otherwise, and maybe something about that you don't like, right? But there's there's a commensurate reward for that on the other side. Maybe it's worth it to you, maybe it's not, right? But, but it's not always not worth it. But the counter-argument to that is a game is not where you should be. Like, people sit down to play a game to either relieve stress or to just have fun for a minute and not have to worry about obligations. And, like, we consider school and class right. an obligation. Okay, you might not enjoy it, but a game is when you sit down and do something that you're just purely going to enjoy. Well, so this you don't is... want to suffer through those parts that are right. not fun. Well, this is very interesting because a game can be what you just described. It can't, you can say that, okay, well, you know, for me, Alon, I'm going to use games only as a relaxing 
element in my life. And so I will not play any high-pressure games. I will not play any challenging games. I just want to relax with games. And that's okay. You can do that. But that's not everything that games are capable of. And it's not everything that everybody wants from games. I'll, I'll say, you know what, half the time I want to play a game and just relax. But then the other half of the time, you know, I am playing a game specifically because I want to be challenged by it. You know, I'll, I'll play my, my crazy simulator rig in the mornings when I wake up. It's like a cup of coffee for me. You know, I'm feeling groggy. I'm feeling out of it. I'm just waking up, right? Instead of having a cup of coffee, you know, I'm going to play a race and I'm going to drive a 700 horsepower car for five laps for 15 minutes. And um, you know what? That gets my gears going in the morning. I'm still amazed by how much use you get out of this thing, by the way. As am I. <laughs> There's no game I've ever played with such a lasting uh, power to me. It's, I've, literally, I've literally been playing Gran Turismo for over a year now, and I'm still doing new things and learning new things in it. That's I'm power to you. I wish I wish I could find that in a video game somewhere. It's it's not it's not every game. It's very it's very rare. Um, All right. So so bottom line, we're not big fans of skipping content, but I I still have a hard time coming up with uh, like a surefire reason why. Well, I, I can appreciate you that you should play through it all. Yeah, but at the you same can't time, you like, can't deal in absolutes. You know, you don't. You know, you shouldn't always be forced to eat your green beans, right? But this is this is very akin to green beans on your dinner plate. They're good for you. They might not taste good all the time, but sometimes you want to do things that are good for you that don't feel great right that second. And on that note, we're going to break. That's something that I don't like doing, but I'm pretty sure it's good for you. We'll be right back. Chatterbox Video Game Radio. I uh, I want to relay a story that uh, that I have from this past week relating to something you said earlier, which was about eating uh, your green beans for dinner. I do like green beans, but that's not what it's about. Metaphorical there, green beans. Are there adults who don't like green beans? I don't like green beans. Really? I actually, I will not eat green beans. That's I weird. Eat, I will eat other things. They're so yummy. I have I have. I'll, a, I'll eat spinach. I'll eat uh, broccoli. Okay. But no green beans. Brussels sprouts? Are they no. on the table? No, no Brussels sprouts. No. All right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, all right. So you were talking about... Uh, see, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was something to the effect of watching a game rather than playing it. Um, anyway, there was an experience I had very recently about someone sitting down literally to play a video game and learning that it was not a video game. And so here's how it goes. I was at Dave and Buster's and unfortunately Dave and Buster's, by the way, does not have dance since revolution. They never, no, they have pump it up. They have their, pump it their up. buyer decided, um, whoever they were negotiating with that, uh, yeah, <laughs> they were getting a bum deal and we're just going to walk across the street to Korea 
So and I'm, get pump it up instead. I'm not the only person who noticed this. I'm yeah. glad. They have pump it up. But given that they have nothing else that's worthwhile, uh, I was relegated to playing pump it up for a certain amount of time. And immediately next to that is some sort of motion simulator. Uh, and it's, you know, it's got a big screen. It's got two seats. Oh, I've seen this. It's like in some kind of gondola type thing. Um, I mean, it, it's just two seats that you can end up leaning back or, or it's it like forces some you to lean, motion motion lean back. simulator, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And then, and so the thing is this, this guy that I knew who was with me at the event that I was at, um, he put the, the card in to play, play the game. He sat down while I'm playing the dancing game next to it. And he's like, Oh my God, this is just, you don't even control anything. I thought you get to do something. And I'm thinking to myself, of course not. Did you see any controls? Did you see a button? Did you see a controller? Like anything at all that would have implied to you that you would be able to do something to basically do anything but be, have this be a passive experience. Right. And immediately it hit me, wait a minute. We're in the we're in that back to the future 2 age where there are games that you don't touch anymore and that you may very well walk into an arcade and expect to interact with a game without there being a joystick. And in fact, there were some of those in that very arcade. Did you know, you you may have known that Fruit Ninja exists in the arcade. Right. Right. But there's also... And Infinity Blade. That's the one I was going to mention. There's also Infinity Blade with a big touch screen on it. Yep. Um, I, I think Fruit Ninja, you just swipe in front of the screen and you don't actually touch. Um, Infinity Blade, you actually touch the screen. Although uh, TJ was there with me, and he was complaining that you can just make the tiniest little touch on it, and yeah. it'll swipe. And also that if you try to swipe across the very large screen, yeah. um, that you will burn your finger. I so. was I was under the impression that it was the same technology either way, but uh, maybe I'm, I didn't play Fruit Ninja, and I didn't watch anybody play it, so maybe you have to touch the screen. But I remember seeing seeing it at E3 last year, or some show I was at. And I could have sworn people were just swiping at the air. So anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, there are now these games where you, you're you completely free from physical controls. And, and it didn't dawn on me like that that's a, a really clear change in perception. Like you could be tricked into... Yeah, and I don't think that's, that's, that's what this freaky. was... Well, I've, I've seen that thing that you're talking about because I had that same experience. I just looked around and thought for two minutes and decided it wasn't a game before I actually put in my money. Yeah. Well, my, my follow-up to this realization is, is that okay? Like you're still getting an experience and certainly people pay for roller coasters and they pay for these fake roller coasters, which are indoor simulators at other places. Like, should you feel duped at an arcade playing this thing, which is not a game, right? Like the guy next to me, he honestly felt duped. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's okay for him to feel duped. I'll put it that way. Because there's actually very very few of those, especially I mean, you know, arcades are not really commonplace anymore. It's pretty much just Dave and Busters in those types of places these days. But it's a fair assumption to expect that all the things in there unless I mean like there's photo booths and you know what a photo booth does cuz you know what it looks like and they all do about, about the same thing. You don't expect to play something when you go in a photo booth, right? But this is like a new type of device where it's um, you know it's just one of those simulator things that you don't do anything. It's just a ride, and um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to go so far as to say that like they should they should be required to do anything, but it is it is a little misleading because you expect those things to not be just rides in an arcade. 
and they're just rides. Yeah, that's what it was. Anyway, it was just an interesting little story, something that happened to me last week, and uh, I thought I thought you might find that curious. And then I, I started thinking, but you could add controls to it. You could make it, you know, branching. You could go left instead of right. Anyway, I'm not going to worry about yeah, that for right now. Yeah, let's not go down that road. Okay, so um, we do have, in fact, one more letter. And um, I promised our friend Gamer Dude. Did he not give us. his name? His name is Gamer Dude. Okay. okay. No space. Gamer Dude. Gotcha. Okay. Not to be confused with Gamer. Space Dude. Dude. Right. Um, so he was asking me if I played this game called Jamestown. Jamestown is this uh, indie 2D shooter, um, and I love shooters so much. So I actually hadn't played it, but... Um, or, Mr. or heard of it? Uh, I don't know. I might have heard of it, but just subsequently ignored it in the back of my mind. But um, it's uh, Gamer Dude says, hey, I think it's one of the best shooters I've played. It does some interesting things with gameplay. Also, the developers seem to have done a lot of analysis on great shmups to determine why they are great and incorporate their results into Jamestown. If it's on your radar, I would like to hear you talk about it on Chatterbox. So since Gamer Dude was such a cool dude and um, actually gave me a download code for the product so I could play it, um, I've done so. And so now, uh, Gamer Dude, we're totally going to talk about Jamestown. So is this just a listener who, who bought a copy of the game to gift to you? Um, let's say yes. Okay. That's he interesting. Had, he had an extra code for the uh, Humble Indie Bundle, which he was so kind as to supply. Oh, gotcha. So. It was, I, I have heard of it then because yeah. it's part of the bundle. I just didn't know what type of game it was. Yeah. I'm kind of curious where the name comes from because it does not look like an old um, a game like uh, like Oregon Trail or whatever, right? right? Which well, is what comes to well, mind when does, I think Jamestown. Actually, it does, if, except for the flying ships. Except for the flying ships and lasers yeah. and bullet hell. But, yeah, totally. But, but really, I mean, all the backgrounds, like um, that one level we played, I think it said it was in Roanoke, Virginia. Okay. So, which As, is not too far from Jamestown, <laughs> if I remember correctly, by American history. Well, that's an interesting theme then. Um, so it's got, it's got, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't think too much of the theme. I mean, I guess it's kind of quirky. Um, but I was actually pretty impressed. It's a very, very slick very, very, very sharp implementation. Um, it's a pretty good game. There's you're just saying that because it seemed to me you're a lot more interested in shooters and how they work, and you have obviously a lot more introspection about it, yeah. right? Because you worked on one. But it looks just like normal like any other to me. It doesn't well, do anything special. That would be my one criticism, is that in, in a lot of ways I do think it's a little bit too derivative of the bullet hell types of shooters, which is, I mean, maybe that's what they wanted to make, you know, and if that's the case, then that's okay. Um, but one of the things that really distinguishes, like, that type of game to me um, against, like, something like uh, like Gradius Five is that besides the... Uh, it, it's funny because the things that games like Gradius Five do... They're, like Gradius Five is a horizontal shooter, right? And this game is a vertical shooter. It's a vertical shooter with a wide screen, which yeah. is yeah. that which, might be a little bit unique. Well, it's, it's it happens more often than you'd think. Okay, um, there've been there've been ton of console games with that that kind of aspect ratio, um, and even some arcade ones, remarkably enough. Um, but anyway, um, let's not digress too much. Um, so the funny thing is that you know games like Gradius Five that are horizontal shooters, they tend to have like certain characteristic qualities that you almost never see in the vertically scrolling oriented types of games, and vice versa. 
And like one of them, for example, is that uh, like in the vertically scrolling games, you hardly ever see um, stages or situations where there's actually like a, a massive, like a world that has collision that you have to fly through. You know, the world is almost always just a background and there's nothing, there's no like space that you're flying through. Yeah, right? not like that Radius that has like a, a ceiling and a floor right. that you have to evade. Exactly. And that that sort of thing, I mean, it's a very, very small kind of thing, but it can completely change the character of the game. And that's one of the reasons why I like a lot of games like Gradius V a lot more is because they give you this... It just has a different character to it. And there's more ways of expressing uh, a different character in a stage when you have that as a tool as a game developer. Whereas if it's just, you know, a, basically a flat field and you're just basically um, rolling out enemies to the player, which is okay too, right? But it's just, um, I don't know. I just kind of felt like Gradius V had it all you know it had like everything that i ever enjoyed about game about especially shooters and um i don't know it's it's still my number one for me i don't i don't think jamestown will surpass it in my opinion but um they've they've done a very 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 good game for what it is they've taken some basic concepts but like Gradius has this whole power-up thing, and this game didn't seem to have that. Well, this this um, one doesn't have that. It has some other scheme. I mean, you can tell you can tell what games they've taken features from, um, and you know, it's th- th- there's there's always that debate. Well, you know, is this is it just copying? Are they doing something interesting with some of the new stuff? I feel like they are doing some interesting and new things with. Um, with with reusing certain features that other games have, but then on the other hand, there's other things too, that um, you know, like the the shooting, the X and Z shooting, where you know you've got your your condensed shot that's yeah, so there's two smaller, shots. smaller range, but it's more powerful, and then you have a long range, you have a wide range shot that's less powerful, yeah, right, and you can depending on which one you're using, it, you're actually your movement is also restricted or not restricted, and that was that was lifted like directly from Dodon Pachi. So I'm I'm not as familiar with Dodon Pachi, but yeah, um, it's like it's like the, it's like the exact implementation without any. It doesn't even feel like it's been changed at all. Honestly. Basically, giving you access to two very different weapons rather than having you pick up a power up or something in the middle. Right, right, right. You basically okay. choose: do I want to focus my power in front of me or spread it out? And if I focus it in front of me, I can't move as well. Yeah. I do like. I never thought about this actually, and and we've got to go to break now. But you. You talked about the differences between side scrollers and vertical scrollers, and it never struck me that there is, like, there are clear gameplay differences. Yeah. Like in this game, when enemies explode, and a lot of other vertical scrollers, yeah. enemies explode, you know, you get something like coinage drops right. um, in this game, and that's common to other games as well. It's very, um, very characteristic of the vertical scrolling yeah, it, thing. Whereas... It actually drops instead right. of just, instead of dropping, meaning like you blow it up and then it sits there and you roll by it like you would have in a side scroller. Right, right. It, it physically lowers on the screen and you have to catch it. Right. Which gives you this, um, a goal. Like with the side scrollers, you have to avoid the ceilings and with this game, you have to get the stuff. Yeah. Although, either way, it gives you a reason to move other than shooting things or evading things. Yeah, there, there's, there's a bunch of things like that, right? And the funny part of it is that there's nothing that's like really unique to the scrolling direction format that necessitates you doing that or not. It's just like, I don't know. It's just like people who make 
game scrolling in that direction, I think somehow like just lift the conventions that other games have used without trying to be very different, which is a little unsatisfying to me. What's actually funny about that is it's it's imposing gravity uh, because that's downwards, except yeah. in this particular game, down is actually looking into the screen. Um, so right, it's not really down; it's the other down. Right? Yeah, but but I mean, it's it is a better mapping than left to right for sure. But there also have been games where um, I think some of the Parodius games, right? Some certain things drop bells, and the bells actually accelerate towards the left unless you shoot them and bounce them back. That's interesting. Anyway, we we've gone way long. We're going to go to break. Take it a little short next time. Anyway, we'll be right back. else are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives where else in the valley on campus or online can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security artificial life programming and game studies as well as technology management Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology. UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we're back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Sponsored by UAT.edu, University of Advancing Technology. We've got about 10 minutes. We're going to keep it short this time. We got something good. Yeah. A good 10 minutes. We're going to talk about Dark Souls, right? Yeah. Not just Dark Souls, but um, an article that was written about Dark Souls in the publication Slate, the online publication. You know what's great about today's episode? It's it's timeless. We haven't talked about any weekly news or anything. Nothing that's going on like right now. This is all just stuff, just gameplay stuff. It, it, se- it certainly seems to have turned out that way. Okay. Anyway. So go ahead. Um, so, okay. So, this guy's name's uh, Michael Thompson, and he wrote an article entitled, Dark Knight After Night After Night of the Soul is a 100-hour video game ever worthwhile. And I, I found this to be an interesting read. It's been um, lambasted by some people. Is that the right word? It's been It's been heavily criticized, and... Um, I think that uh, the author makes a lot of really he puts forth a lot of interesting arguments, uh, some novel ones, uh, a few ones I think sometimes he's completely off track. But um, these are the kind of things that make uh, something worthy of discussion. So the basic gist of what he's saying here is that you know it sounds like he's spent around a hundred hours playing Dark Souls and. Um, as a disclaimer, I still have not yet played Dark Souls. It's literally on my kitchen counter, still wrapped. Um, you know, but I actually played Demon Souls 
You played the hell out of Demon's Souls. The hell is literally what I played out of it. It's well over, like, it was almost maybe even 200 hours of that game. Well I, over 100 hours. I have not put that much time into any video game in the second half of my life. Yeah. So, um, for whatever it's worth, um, anything that I say is going to be made through the proxy lens of Demon's Souls. And, um, it's, a, it's the same thing. Hopefully, it's actually the same thing enough for it not to. For the sake of the argument he's made in this article, it's the same damn thing. That's what I believe. So we're just going to go forward, assuming that's the case. Um, so the basic comparison that he makes, um, there, there's a couple quotes I want to read, but before I get to that, um, the basic thing he's putting forth is that like, hey, you know what? Like, if you want to read like Leo Tol- Tolstoy, you know take you a really long time to read that or take a really long time to consume um you know a lot of works of art or literature or things that we think are great and things that we think um expand you know your your experience or perspective your knowledge and um you know books like war and peace will do that to you but if you spend the same amount of time just playing video games you you won't get you won't get that benefit. And he questions, you know, basically, is there any any game worth 100 hours long? And his answer, presumably, is no. Um, well, I, think I, he's, I think he's very clear about that. He's, he's very, very clear about that. He, he, he basically, you know, um, well, let's, let's, just, let's get down to brass tacks. I'll just read you what he says, and we'll see where that takes us. Do it. So... One of the things that he's really frustrated about is Dark Souls and how long it takes to play. So he says, Dark, Dark Souls takes so long to play because it refuses to tell you its basic ground rules, then kills you over and over again for failing to understand them. As a player, you proceed not by thinking through problems, but by randomly trying anything and everything until something haphazard sticks. The game is teaching you, but it's not teaching you anything worth knowing. In roughly 40 hours of reading, Tolstoy covers the range of human existence. Love, premature death, villainy, class, the limits of friendship, the crucible of debt, the idea of humans as helplessly caught in the tidal forces of history. Dark Souls leaves you with the intimate knowledge of when to roll out of the way of an ogre's club swing. So yeah, he makes a point. There's two, two things here that I think he's um, getting wrong or misunderstanding at the very least. Well, he he plays... The, the, he gives the counter-argument in the very next paragraph. you want me to read that? Yes. Bef- before, before I get... It would not be to, fair okay. to not um, read that first. I don't see what you're saying, but I'll read it anyway for our, our listeners' benefit. There is something in these efforts that shouldn't be dismissed. The 100-hour game is not a pointless exercise because it's a game, but only because the relative meaning of its experience is almost always diluted into a thin, tasteless nothing by the time you've invested yourself in completing it. Okay, maybe it's the, the next The next, next one. Where he tells okay. about the actual value of the game. Okay. That's the part I'm going so, towards. Uh, there, there's, that's a totally different thing, dude. Let, but let, the, let my me, point is he doesn't say it's valueless, whereas he does here. Okay, so let's recognize that he's not saying it's completely valueless. But I want to address the two points that he made here before we move on to the next one because there's even still more things to address there. Okay. Okay, so the thing that I found that was really interesting from his perspective is that to him, the experience of playing this game is like you don't know what the rules are. You can only figure them out by constant failure, right? But this, I mean, I mean, this actually sounds like um, 
somebody who's basically entered a game when they're they don't actually have enough knowledge of video game standard things to be able to enjoy the game for what it is. For example, he he spends a lot a, a substantial portion of the article talking about how there's these gargoyle enemies and it makes no sense for them to be susceptible to lightning, like lightning power. Like if you use lightning against them, then you they're, they're, they're even weaker against lightning than other attacks, right? And it's like, how, this, this makes absolutely no sense, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, right? He doesn't think it makes sense because lightning, because like gargoyles are, um, you know, they're statues on top of buildings and that's basically like lightning rods. And so he thinks that they should be strong against lightning. It doesn't make sense to him, right? But it's like, it's a cultural Japanese video game thing for flying enemies to be susceptible to lightning, right? So depending on your perspective, it's either complete non-logic or it completely makes sense. And so I, I have this feeling like there's a lot of standard, especially Japanese style video game elements that somebody who's been playing these games for a while takes for granted and they understand, but somebody who hasn't been exposed to those things, right? Somebody who doesn't have that culture behind them um, would probably have a super tough time actually understanding what's going on in the game. And so I kind of feel like he's had that element against him at the same time, which actually doesn't help the discussion whatsoever. But but he's still he's making the point that you don't you're not really given an instruction manual on how to play this game. There's a lot of stuff you you just have to learn. And it's true. And and again, you know, our experience is based off of Demon Souls, but um there is a lot of just trial and error. But but, but see here's the thing. If it was sheer trial and error, like you know how much I hate games that are just about trial and error and how stupid that is. And I've conveyed this like, repeatedly. You know, the thing that was beautiful about Demon Souls was not was actually I did not feel like it was all about repeated trial and error. What I felt like was that if you proceed carefully, that you get highly rewarded. And I actually I didn't get that sense he was describing at all that I had to fail constantly just to find out what the right like switch was. I got the sense that I had to really think through what I was doing and plan carefully and I would get rewarded for being that way. You know, and he's not getting that experience, and I think that that's one reason why. Somebody he's just not good. He just saying. he just doesn't have like he hasn't internalized the cultural information about video games to enable him to figure out or to easily apprehend the rule system. That's what I think the crux of that is. But the second part that I wanted to get to to address was that you know he's basically arguing right that like well all you learn in Dark Souls is you know intimate knowledge of, you know, how to do the mechanics of the game and how to, you know, interface with ogre club swings and things like that, whereas, like, Tolstoy teaches you all these other things, right? And I, I think that this is kind of like a, in some ways, an intellectually dishonest comparison because, you know, okay, you know what? Like, the, the ogres in Dark Souls will never be encountered in real life and you never have to know the timing of that in any application in real life. It's not direct, Right. But there's something that you're learning that is indirect and highly valuable at the same time that does extend to your real life. And that whole thing is the very exercise of going through a mental challenge, being presented with a wild, fantastical, in many ways, I'll even give him completely arbitrary set of contexts and challenges and rules. And it takes... It, it's basically to me, it's like mental exercise. You're you're presented with a problem, and you have to think about how to figure out that problem and the struggle that you go through in order to surmount that problem. 
is it's valuable for your psyche. It's valuable psychologically. It's valuable in your attitude and how you tackle other problems that may present you in your real life. So it's not directly applicable, you know, but it's giving you something that war and peace can't give you. And it's giving you the thought that, hey, something that I thought was impossible, I might be able to surmount in my real life. And you can't get that from war and peace, but you can get that from. Doesn't he go on to say that later? No, he doesn't. Give me, the, give me this thing. Okay, you tell me. Give me this page. What page so, that you hold in your hand? So, so the so the interesting thing is that he he gets like he's saying that Dark Souls has some value as a piece of art, but you, you can only get that in the first five hours, and everything else after that to him is just like relentless repetition. So he he says there is real beauty in Dark Souls. It reveals that life is more suffering than pleasure, more failure than success. I don't know if I agree with these things, but he see says that's them. the thing. That, that's the funny thing is he what he gets that out of Dark Souls, right? I didn't get that out of Demon Souls at all. May, that that might be like a superficial message, right? But the other message is a completely different one that I just described. Honestly, I can only guess that he's being facetious about that because I don't think anyone who no, enjoys I, life thinks that there's more suffering than pleasure, but. But he goes on to also say that... He might not enjoy life. <laughs> that's possible. Um, even momentary relief of achievement uh, is wiped away by new levels of difficulty. In other words, life is challenging, is what he's trying to say. And right. you learn that from this. It's also a te- testament to our persistence in the face of that suffering. In other words, teaching that you know we can do great things. Um, he doesn't specifically say, like, okay, you're, you're learning... Yeah, but see, that's the thing. It's not just a testament. See... War and Peace just says things about things, okay? Any book, it just, it just it gives you factual information. But what is more powerful than an experience, an art that actually puts you in the face of a challenge and gives you limited resources and challenges you to say, hey, figure out, out yourself out of this. The process that you go through mentally right in surmounting and figuring out that challenge i think this is one of the biggest reasons why a lot of us play games and it's one of the most important reasons because it helps us develop our brain cells in ways that they wouldn't be stretched otherwise yeah essentially this explains why we play games and why we don't read yeah right you could put it that that, way because we we appreciate (laughs) we appreciate that more so than than reading which other people are into. But who's to say, right, what, what I think is intellectually dishonest, right, going back to that, is that how can you say that one of those is inherently better than another? How can, it's like saying, I don't think he did. He just said that it, you learn everything you're going to learn from Dark Souls in the first five hours of difficulty, and then the rest of it is just icing. Right, but see... see like, icing I, that he doesn't want. I would challenge that, right, because he's he doesn't understand the utility of you know learning all these intricacies of how the system works and then exploiting them right that he, he's saying that you can you can just get the sense of it and that's enough in the first five hours right, right? but there's i mean like let's let's actually like let's let's move away from this game right it's just like saying to me what he's putting forward like why would you ever spend more than 100 hours shooting a basketball why would you ever spend more than 100 hours um, practicing rock climbing? Why would you ever spend more than 100 hours at the gym, right? These kinds of things that we do, these are the s- similar types of things as what games provide us. You know, they provide us a challenge, and it, 
it's, it feeds us to be able to be constantly challenged and to surmount those things. You know, now I will recognize, like he's saying, there's a whole bunch of games where, and I think this is leading into what you want to talk about, Alon. There's a whole bunch of games that will you f- you play for a hundred hours and you feel empty. Yeah, and those games exist. I'm not saying those games don't exist. I'm just saying, Demon Souls at least wasn't one of those, and I don't think Dark Souls is one of those either. Um, like Farmville may be one of those games. Yeah. Well, what uh, I, MMOs might be one of those games. What I wanted to talk about was the ultimate reward you get from it, and and how I think games have uh, have sort of I don't know I don't I don't feel as rewarded when I finish a game anymore. I feel lost, right? Because I'm no longer playing the game, which right. I guess is the sign of a good game. But um, I would like the idea a game like this that involves so much investment. If I made it all the way to the end, right. I would want there to be some huge payoff, and I'm sure there isn't. There's probably some short cinematic or something. But yeah, well, the, the if I were the developer, I would I would say, to be fair to the to the player, yeah. we should give them a very large payoff, like yeah. a significant chunk of story yeah, but, at the end or but, whatever. But hard, there, there hardly ever is, and there, there's practical reasons for that. You know, not the least of which being that by the time they finish making the game, they yeah they don't cost. have time to give you a fair reward, right? Exactly. But it's it's kind of like you know, like, like Gran Turismo, uh, some of the older games, right? You didn't have like. Formula cars are kind of a new thing in the series. And when I, I think like in Gran Turismo 3, there was one formula car that you'd get like only after you played it for like 50 hours, you know. And this formula car was like so much better in performance than all the other cars in the game that it was like it was like you got a new game as a reward for getting that car. That's how different it was. And it was amazing. and It was incredible. And to this day, I don't think that there was a bigger reward and, and ironically, like, here's the funny thing. There, this reward was a different way to play the game. It was an intrinsic reward. It wasn't that I saw another cutscene. It wasn't like a video. It wasn't like I was given something. I was just given a different way to do the same thing that I've been doing for the past 50 hours. And it was, it was probably, it was, it was, like I said, it was the best, most significant reward I've ever experienced in video games. Well, on that positive note, it is time to end the program today. We, we went way long. Who cares? It's just bandwidth. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. All right. We're abusing our powers of independent podcasting. Um, so we're going to go. Keep sending us those emails, everybody. The website is chatterboxgameshow.com. We will be back next week, as you would expect. And if there's anything you want us to talk about, let us know. See you later. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.